What we've got here is failure to communicate. Freedom. Freedom? Well, sign away my freedom. Why, this is ridiculous. Don't be corny, brother. <laughs> sure, our system of free enterprise isn't perfect. But before we throw it away for some imported double talk, let's turn the clock back a few years to see what it's done for us. With your host, Mike Paul. All right, guys, welcome back. Today we are joined by Buck Johnson, formerly of the Death to Tyrants podcast, now of the Counterflow podcast. Uh, Buck, so if people don't know, can you tell them what the deal is with the name change? Yes, I was uh, thinking about doing a rebranding towards the end of last year, 2020. And I, at the same time, basically the same time, I was approached by Thaddeus Russell to come aboard his uh, media network called the Renegade Media Network. And he actually approached me first and said, you can do a separate podcast other than Death to Tyrants. And I'm sure you guys can relate that just doing one a week is, is uh, it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. So I said, no, I, I, I will, I've been thinking about doing a rebranding anyway. Um, I wanted to expand the types of guests I can get on. And Death to Tyrants was a bit of a pigeonhole for me and limiting some of, uh, some of the people, even in our circles. And I won't name names, but even in our uh, circles, I've had people uh, shy away from appearing because of the name. So I thought, well, geez, if there's certain libertarians that aren't going to come on because of the name i'm it's certainly going to be tough to get uh other people outside of our circles on the show and so i had been thinking i had a list of names and i was showing them with friends and to thaddeus russell and a bunch of us kind of narrowed down to a few and then i said here's my favorite and then thad said that's a killer uh so that's kind of how it uh the name change came about and we had it done basically for january the first week of January of 2021, we kind of went live, as they call it, with the new, the new rebrand and the new name, and so that's where we are now, Counterflow. Nice, nice. <clears throat> so yeah, what? Like what? Yeah, I like I like the name. It's it's uh, very catchy, and uh, and it piques your interest as to you know what the topics covered would be. So the reason we wanted to have you on, I actually I messaged you on Facebook because I just heard you on Pete Canonez's show. And you guys were talking about uh, libertarian alliances and how it's we're deluding ourselves if we think that there's any chance of an alliance with the left right now. And it, it really it got me thinking because this is something that we've been talking about on the show for quite a while, where if you would have asked me in February of 2020, you know, how do you identify politically and, and where do you stand relative to other people? I would say, oh, well, I'm a libertarian and see, we're our own thing. And, you know, we ally with progressives on some things and conservatives on the other, but really we have completely different worldviews. And I think over the last year, what has happened is it's become crystal clear that we have far more in common with traditional conservatives than we do with progressives. I mean, it's just the, the COVID lockdowns, the surge in social justice warrior propaganda. And uh, at this point, like we were talking about, in 2024, I would be more than happy to get behind somebody like Ron DeSantis for president, even if he's not a perfect libertarian, because at least he's sane. Is that something you'd agree with? I tend to lean that way at the time being, but geez, things change so fast these days. Like you said at the beginning of 2020, um, I would have had a different answer than I do now, like such like you were mentioning that you did. Um, I, I will say one thing you said we don't align ourselves um, with neither left nor right, but now I think we relate more with the right. I think that's uh, a segment of us. I assume you meant you guys for sure, and it's definitely me. Um, I think there's a large segment within the Libertarian Party that would align further towards Joe Biden and, and, and that crowd, but that's another subject. As for Ron DeSantis, yeah, I mean, as far as what I know so far, he's been the best on the most important topic uh, of of as of late, for sure. And he keeps being the best. Now he's going against vaccine passports. Um, I think that's a giant topic right now. And, you know, if there, there's difference between if, if you're going to specifically go for the LP, the Libertarian Party, I understand where a purity test is in order because it's got the name Libertarian. And 
if you're trying to make actual change through the political system, that's a tougher sell that, you know, to say that, well, the Libertarian Party is the way to go because I would assume that most of us listening realize that's not. So, yeah, Ron DeSantis has made actual political headway and political change. If you live in Florida right now, for the last uh, almost a year since about April or so of 2020, your life's been pretty damn good as opposed to those who live in California. And I believe some of you guys live in Illinois. I assume it's not, not quite as good as the people living in Florida. So I'd rather, uh, I'd rather live under a rule of Ron DeSantis than a lot of other people right now. And no, I don't probably agree with all of his politics. I don't actually know all of them. I know he's been awesome on the lockdowns, the masks, and now the uh, COVID passports or whatever you want to call it, vaccine passports. So as of right now, I would certainly support him. I, I think my friend Tho Bishop might might have his feelings hurt uh, if Ron DeSantis decides to leave Florida and, and, and govern as a, try to govern as a president over the United States. Um, I've jokingly said, I believe I said this with Pete, or Pete brought this up, maybe he could be president of Florida. And yeah. uh, I think a lot of us <laughs> might consider moving there if he does. I, I actually have kind of thought about that. Like, if he would be better served as continuing to govern Florida versus going, you know, obviously, if it was going to happen tomorrow, he'd be a front runner for Republican candidate. But I think that that the process kind of dilutes some of those guys. Yes. By the time they do the all the internal party nonsense, I, I think that they end up getting kind of watered down. And I, I think he's right now more effective for the state of Florida because my, my dad lives in Florida. And yeah, they've been back to normal since yeah April or May. And, it, you know, you'll get the occasional business that will require a mask, but right. it life has moved on there. Yeah. And like I'm currently in Nebraska and the only place... I, I don't have to wear a mask anywhere here, but it's also a small town, Nebraska. So a little <laughs> different, but yeah, I, I think DeSantis has been ahead of the curve and forced all the other Republican governors to follow. He was ahead of the curve and they flattened it. Um, I think it would be interesting <laughs> if there was a trend, like you're saying, if he stayed in Florida and there was almost a trend led by him for state governors to start having some balls basically and governing. Mm -hmm like people actually want right now and if you're in california and maybe the majority of them want gavin newsom we're about to find that out this year in a few months i believe um like almost the the checkerboard united states where people kind of have at this point look around and go well that state looks better to me than this state rather than yeah like a federal guy in charge because like you said they they do tend to get diluted as they move up upward mm -hmm. That could be interesting experiment. I think it'd be healthy. That's for sure. Yeah. And have you noticed the recent trend of, of states kind of moving to nullify federal laws? I mean, I know there's been a handful of states that have introduced legislation to nullify any future federal gun laws. And yes. they, they're, they're basically taking away the authority of their police to work with the ATF and, and the FBI on these kind of matters, which I think is a good thing. States have, they haven't exercised their the true power they have in a long time. Yeah, and it helps that there's a Democrat president. And so, well, I guess I should say it helps on our side, at least. Some of the uh, Democrat states were doing that under Trump with the um, sanctuary cities and, and things mm -hmm. like that. So, yeah, I'm all for sanctuary cities, especially if it's regarding guns and, and stuff like that. And a lot of these sheriffs that have come out and said, I'm not going to enforce either lockdown measures or unconstitutional gun uh, grabs or confiscations and things like that. It helps to have a Democrat running the country if if you want uh, right-wing forces to kind of fight back. And I, I think it also helps to have people like DeSantis lead the way. So governors like mine uh, here in Texas, Greg, Greg Abbott, who's got a little bit less of a spine, not because he's in a wheelchair, but... Uh, so, so guys like that who are a little bit more generic Republicans can go, mm -hmm. wow, that guy's kind of popular with his constituency over there. So maybe I'll do it too. And, and then we, you know, it's kind of a, a bandwagon thing. So I think that's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you brought that up, you said uh, like when Republicans are, 
are forced to play defense, they sort of galvanize and that's when they actually fight back when they're in power in air quotes. That's, that's almost when their muscles to fight atrophy. Cause if you look at like under Donald Trump, let's say there was the bump stock ban. He was in favor of red flag laws, even though I'm not sure legislatively much passed uh, the federal budget budget just exploded and there was tons of spending and stimulus and all these things and conservatives, because it was a Republican doing it, they didn't seem to have a problem with it. So they were giving up on their conservative principles because it was their guy that culturally was being imposed. But when it's, you know, a Democrat in office, then they feel like they need to actually push back on a policy level. I mean, that when you said that, it just made sense. Yeah. And I've I don't know if you guys watch Bill Maher, but I have fairly consistently watched him for since the Obama years, at least. And he's the same way now, all of a sudden, with a few exceptions here and there throughout the show, he's really good. And it's like once the Trump derangement glasses came off and Trump's gone. Now he's uh, talking about uh, basically pol- politically incorrect things again, and he's railing against woke stuff. And so it's funny, like you, yeah, it's like when when the Republicans in charge, it's like the right's kind of placated and just sits there and like, oh, he's our guy. I just I trust him. It's 4D chess and all of this stuff. The moment he gets out, uh, yeah, I mean, then there's balls again all of a sudden, and now. The, the 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 governors want to stand up to Washington DC and it's it's interesting and I, I guess that's kind of just the political game the game of politics no no Republican governor while Trump's uh, in office I suppose wants to rock the boat and I, I think it helps also that Trump kind of backed off quickly on some of the lockdown things and so that made it easier certainly for people like DeSantis to to go ahead and, and run run his place the way he wants mm-hmm. yeah you know it it kind of gave me a little bit of hope when you see uh you know california signing the, the petition to um you know get newsom back out of office after all this and you know i was like hoping it would make other governors kind of you know a little more scared into caring what people think because where we're at you know i said it before that it seems like cuomo and newsom get all the airtime on mainstream media nobody talks much about Pritzker or, you know, the Minnesota uh, governor or, you know, Whitmore does occasionally from Michigan, but uh, like, but they, we're moving lockstep with them. We're just, you know, we get less airtime because we're flyover country. And when you drive around my area, I'm in a 3000 person town way outside Chicago. And there's signs. I mean, I don't think you go more than a half mile without seeing one that says Pritzker sucks. Oh. The life out of small businesses. They're so, but, but Pritzker sucks is huge. And then fine print is the life out of small business. But occasionally, I think I probably I've I've probably seen five in my town. There's like these rundown old shacks where somebody puts "Thank you, Governor Pritzker" in their yard. It's always like some <laughs> like, someone who clearly is just like in a trailer or something. But it, it is weird how it's becoming even like tribal on that level. But do you think there's any sort of incentive for these these governors to fear being reelected from these actions? I don't know. I, I'm very anxious to see what happens in, in California with this recall because there's the optimistic side of me that's like they must fear something. Like he has to fear these governors have to think like, well, maybe, maybe not, you know, maybe I'm they do hate me or something like that. But I don't know. I I just don't know. I've never seen I've never seen it so uh checkerboarded like this, like I mentioned earlier. Like I've never seen it so clear that Florida is obviously doing way better than California. And so uh, I have some friends in California that I'm, that are actually coming out here to visit soon that are center left. um, And I'm very curious to pick their brains. Like, what do you actually think? Do people like uh, the governor who's basically destroyed the state or are they going to say, well, he didn't know what to do, or that was Trump that started this damage and, and stuff like that. I'm curious to see if there's kind of a reckoning for a lot of these governors or if there's such a, they're so blue in that state that it just, they, they don't really face much of a challenge. I could see that. And, you know, I did see, I think it was reason uh, that had an article where Michigan is actually moving to keep, they want to sign their emergency powers into law to make them permanent. Is I it, did see that. Regarding masks and lockdowns and whatnot? I, 
I think so. Yeah, like they they want to retain that that authority to ex- extend it as long as they see fit, so that because I, I think that their their mask mandate just got challenged in court theirs and uh, Wisconsin, and it got shot down. So Wisconsin had to let up. the The courts said you can't keep enforcing this. Oh, good. So I I know that Whitmer is she's not well received I, I don't think in probably most of michigan outside of the urban areas and most of the country i mean wasn't it wasn't it her that they tried to kidnap for crying out loud yes <laughs> yeah so there's a little shady circumstances yeah but you know i i'm curious to see because i mean i mean we all know we've we've studied the the game long enough that when you you know never let a good crisis go to waste and these politicians aren't going to let go of their newfound power and authority very easily. And I'm kind of curious to see like, what, what do you see as like the pathway out? Is it just continued civil disobedience or? If you live in a state like that, I would, the pathway out to me would be uh, U-Haul. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I mean, like I said, I need to get my finger on the pulse better for what's going on in California. And I will hear shortly, but I don't have much faith in it. Uh, people like Gavin Newsom, these, I don't know as much about uh, Whitmer and, and Michigan, but Cuomo, Newsom, these guys, it's basically the mob running these places. So they, I don't think they're scared of a lot of pushback or it's just kind of like mob mafia leaders. It's like, unless someone goes and takes them out. Uh, I don't mean that in the physical sense if, for everyone listening, but they just, I mean, they have power, and I, I don't know that they're going to give it up. I don't know that they are forced to give it up. It's it's interesting. If Gavin Newsom actually gets recalled, my my tune would change on that. I would be, that would be amazing for the state of California. But uh, I think there's so many people. It's like when you it's like the two fish in water, and one says the water's warm, and the other fish is like, "What's water?" I think when you're entrenched in that as a as living, not you guys, of course, because you're you know, you have a brain, but so many people just go along to get along and they live in this environment and they just think that's how it is. Uh, Our two friends that are coming to Texas, like I said, they're center left. They're not religious about the masks and all that stuff typically, but there was a message going back and forth with my wife and she said, my husband's kind of scared that it's a free for all there, that it's like the wild west in Texas. Are we going to a place like where everyone's not masked up? And these are people oh, normally that are pretty, pretty smart and, and normal people to hang out with. They're not going to put two masks on and the face shield and all this stuff. They're just kind of our normal friends. And when you hear that, it's like, my God, what have they done to these people in California to, to, make them think like this but they're like i said they're just so entrenched in this environment that it just seems normal and it's maybe they get here and go wow okay so they don't have masks on well these people look fine like there's old people walking around maybe it is okay maybe just a taste of the freedom will help change their mind i don't know yeah, well, when you talk about that, like that that kind of mass hypnosis where people are like, oh, my God, they don't have masks on there. And it's just it's got to be the Wild West, even though there are there's data available showing like, look, they have had it this entire time and they're average. They're no different than your state. It has surges and then it, it dies down just like anywhere else. And, you know, it's it's uh, I remember Michael Malice said this uh, a few weeks ago where he said the reason propaganda actually works on smart people and doesn't work on stupid people is because it's easier to teach a smart dog tricks. And and it really is true. It's, it's like, you know, when you look at the mainstream media narrative about, they just cherry pick whatever data they can find to make things sound scary, you know, and they just, like I said, they just cherry pick it. And then they're able to program people to say, look, they lifted their lockdowns or they opened their schools. And now there's a 50% increase in cases this past month even though it's normal. Right. But it's what's sad is it is people that are intelligent that you've hung out with before. It's friends and family, and they are so dug into this hypnosis that it's hard to shake them out of it. And when we're talking about the path forward and how we have DeSantis or Abbott in Texas, these more free States, and then we have California and Illinois and New York 
where you were talking about moving with a, or, you know, voting with your U-Haul and packing up and leaving. I wonder if a natural outcome of all of this is going to be federalism because people are just going to cluster together. It's like, what if you're, if you're anti-mask, you don't want to live in, in Illinois under Pritzker. And if you're also a branch COVIDian, you don't want to live in the wild West of Florida. Like, what are you doing? So people are maybe possibly going to cluster together and that might actually be a win. I know. I, I hope that all of the people I'm near Austin, about half an hour away, they're a little bit more insane about it there. And I see a lot of the people I know bitching online, like our governor is trying to kill us and all of these things. And it's like, then move to California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I get out there. I wonder why, you know, so it's, yeah, I'm all for it. Like let's uh, let's, let's have a mass movement across the state. In fact, a friend of mine that did move here from New York, uh, some friends of his owned a gym in Southern California in 2020. It got, they just went bankrupt. They had to close their doors and everything uh, to, they went to move to Arizona there was not one U-Haul in the entire state of California to rent the yep. whole state. Wow. And they, I mean, whoever challenges uh, Gavin Newsom needs to have some of those kind of stats ready to read because that's oh, yeah. me. Yeah, no, it's wild. And you, you know, know, to the, Oh, go ahead. Mike. Oh, oh, sorry. Well, saying to the point about, you know, your, your friends from California that feel that way. Um, one of my, cousins was telling me that he, he's kind of had like a, a falling out with some of his close friends that he's been buddies with for probably 10 years, like old college buddies. And they've all kind of gotten so divided over the last year, just in their group text. And they're, you know, he'll try to win them over and send them stats. And they just call him like a crazy conspiracy theorist and all this. They, they wouldn't look into it. These are all like bachelor degree college university kids. And, uh, one of them, he said, he just kept kept dodging him. He kept noticing he would show up and he wouldn't be there. He would just leave before he got there. And then he would cancel going somewhere. He found out my cousin was going. He he just picked up on it and called him out. He's like, what's going on? Like, we're buddies. Now, every time I go anywhere, you're not showing up. And he came clean and said, like, yeah, my, my wife's afraid just because your worldview is that you're, we're at high risk of getting COVID if we're around you. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, but it's been like 14 months. Like, so if he's that dangerous, he should have gotten it by now, right? Like, he's always carrying it. Like, he's just... <laughs> Yeah, continuously spreading it like these are like so-called educated people that have four-year degrees. You know, it just blows my mind. It was a good year. Uh, th th this is from personal experience. Twenty twenty was a good year to break up. I suppose you could call it with with. I mean, it kind of pulled everyone's mask off. No pun intended. <laughs> Because <laughs> Trump, Trump did this on a national spotlight with media types and and things like that. But COVID did it with people you know. And I just started seeing there would be little inklings I had. You know, I knew certain friends were ah, like, he's a little crazy, but eh, whatever. We'll go drink a beer or I'm a musician. I'll go play a gig with him. But man, 2020, it separated everything. You could just see the crazy. And, and, and so you can still see it now. I, I, I'm thankful for the people that wear two masks and, and a face shield because I know yeah. Yeah, stay away from them. They, they probably think that about me. <laughs> I, I want to stay away from them. But yeah, it was a way to kind of cull everything. And it sucks because I did lose some friends that I, that I have known for a long time. And, you know, it went so far as one of them's trying to, are you in the proud boys or something like that? Yeah. All, <laughs> all over stuff like this. It's so yeah. strange. And you just think if you're that dumb or you really think these things about me after knowing me for this long, it's just better to kind of move on. And that, right. that part of the process we moved out of the city of Austin was, was for some of those reasons. Like let's get out of town. There's going to be people we don't see for a year. Do you, you really need to see them anymore? You kind of learn who who the valuable people are, and in the process, you make new friends, um, which we've done a, quite a bit of as well. There's a big ANCAP group, like sixty or seventy people in Austin that are a lot of new transplants from other states that suck. And so, yeah, I, we gained new friends over the year. We lost some friends, and it's just people kind of showed their true selves. It's it's like an emergency happens. You know, this is a bit of hyperbolic, of course, but emergency happens and you look around and you see who's got your back and who runs it, it yeah. kind of like that a little bit. Yeah, I I deleted my Facebook in December of 19 and oh, good Lord, was, crazy. <laughs> was that a good time? I was like, I could not have gone through a covid and election year. Like I would have been I would have lost extended family. I couldn't go to family reunions. 
like I got out just in time and I had no idea how, how fortunate I was to pick that time. I think that, so I, I started keeping track after a while. Cause I was after about the first, we'll say a month of, of when it, you know, the lockdowns hit, I started to get pretty outspoken. Cause I'm like, this is ripe for abuse. I saw it coming. And I was like, if this was this bad, I, you would think that I would have friends in the hospital or, you know, like if it was truly as bad as what they were saying. And I was, I started to kind of question it and I got more and more vocal. I think, I think I'm up to 10 or 10 or 15 people that I start popping up in the people you may know on Facebook. And I was like, Oh, they deleted me. Uh, <laughs> you know, cause I, they're like, I, you know, I just, it just, I was like, this is right for abuse. When I started seeing grocery stores, shelves empty and people looking at you like you were the antichrist you know and i was it, it just was so absurd to me because i was in arizona at the time and i i didn't start wearing a mask in the grocery store until they would have people at the door that were going to kick you out yeah and and i would walk in walk through there and i'd have people like how can you even go anywhere without wearing a mask i'm like they're not telling me to wear one and I, you know, I work out, I, I stay active. I'm not that worried about this. Yeah. And you're young. Right. And yeah, no shit. so I, I shared something. I shared that reason, uh, headline about Michigan keeping their emergency powers. And I said, I remember in April and May of, of last year, when everyone started to get in my comments section, me telling me how ignorant this was and this and that I remember because look at where we're at now. We're a year later they're claiming that the curve still hasn't been flattened, all this nonsense. You know, you have kids getting indoctrinated, wearing their chin diapers. It's it's ridiculous. And I, I saw this all this coming. Yeah, you know, I when you're talking about Facebook, I can't help but uh go to battle with the blue pilled army on Facebook. I just love doing it, it especially lately. I just get a wild hair up my ass and it's like I'm gonna pick a fight today. And, uh, you know, I, I love the number one thing to throw at them is just look at how you've moved the goalpost from two weeks to flatten the curve just until cases get lower, just until the vaccine rolls out, you know, and then now it's they don't even know what the goal is. Fauci just says just until cases get very low and he won't define what very low is. Mm-hmm. And you just show, look, look how you move the goalposts over and over and over again. Why should anybody believe you that you have a plan moving forward? And I've said this to a few dozen people and nobody has even tried to have an honest response to that. It's just like, you don't believe in science, yada, yada, yada. And they move on. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you cannot reason with these people. No. And that's, that's another thing that it was a big kind of thing. I realized a red pill of sorts in 2020 is that we're, you know, Vin Armani talks about the dim age and it's, we're in post fact America. And so the people basically trying to reason with someone that wears two masks on their face or that has been (laughs) scared in their apartment for a year, that's impossible. My my parents devout Christians. That would literally be like me going to them and saying, what do you think about maybe worshiping Satan? Here's why. Here's reason one, two, three, four. I might as well just be talking to a wall. And that's that's just what I've learned with these people. There is absolutely zero chance that you will uh, change their mind in any way. And so there's a certain segment of the population as far as trying to reason with them. you got to write them off. Yeah. yeah and and you know, it's more, it's more about the uh, – Yeah, no, but I, I do it more for the I mean, I'll troll them. That are, I'll troll them, but I'm not going to argue with them. Yeah, I do it more for the people that are kind of the silent majority that are just – they, they kind of go along to get along and they're not – you know, mask warriors, they're not all these things, but they're not outspoken critics. And it's like, if we can reach those people, the people that are really sick of this shit, but they're just trying to go along to get along. Those are the people that we need to fire up and pull onto our side. Yep. I agree. And there's, there's always people, if you're on Facebook, for instance, there's always people that see things and just kind of stay out. Those are the people that you can change their mind or not even change their mind or maybe, open their eyes a bit like, wait a second, Nick's right. Like those charts seem legitimate or this other guy who's a, a debating him seems like he's nuts. And so those are the people that I help. I, I think you can kind of sway towards reality. I think that's the same kind of people that also maybe 
come to a state like Texas and look around and like, wait a second. Okay. So it's not people dropping dead on the street. Maybe this is kind of a joke. So hopefully, and in fact, I, I mentioned Bill Maher earlier. I was so shocked at this, but very delightfully surprised at the end when he does his rules segment or whatever, he went on a rant about politics being involved in medicine. The irony is he wants government health care, but that aside, <laughs> that aside, he went on a rant saying, look, uh, California, look at the numbers in Florida. Florida is doing well. And it turns out we like to make fun of Republicans. Their governor actually surrounded himself with people that know what they're talking about in regards to COVID. It, he's talking about the Great Barrington Declaration, guys, because that's who DeSantis had. And it's Bill Maher saying this basically giving props to DeSantis and he's saying Democrats and liberals, you have got to wake up. CNN and these networks have scared you for the last year. And when we get onto Republicans for denying environmentalism or whatever, uh, you guys have been denying the reality of COVID. Mm -hmm. so I could mm -hmm. not believe he's saying that. His That's audience, amazing. His audience yeah. clapped. Yeah. There's um. You know, I know a couple of people on the left that there's a difference between like a social justice lefty and then there's still like just the free thinking lefty. They're very ideological about like, you know, socialism even or whatever their values are. But um, like I got one buddy in particular who's who's pretty left, but we've never had a heated argument. We talk politics almost every time we get together. We can always respectfully disagree. We always laugh over beers and, you know, we, we would ally if it came down to it because we know we're, we're both very aligned on the most important issues. But like, for instance, or one of the funniest things was he was scheduled to go to a Rage Against the Machine concert during the first lockdowns. And then they canceled it because there was government restriction. And I was like, if there's any one band that can't mm. afford to, to shut down their touring because of government regula regulation is a band named Rage Against the Machine, whose career is like most defined by the line, fuck you, I won't do what you told me. Yeah, <laughs> like, but sure they're, enough, they're like, raging with yeah, the machine. They're raging now. with the machine. So like, I call they're them raging on behalf one. of the machine. Yeah, I so like I said that one to him, and I, and he just kind of laughed and like didn't have much to say because you know he's <laughs> he's more along their their lines of belief. But but no, like a guy like Bill Maher, it's, it's refreshing to see like that's that kind of person that can actually pivot with what's going on to being like, hey, this is inconsistent with what we said here, yes. where there are so many people that will literally just follow and they will just paint themselves into an irrational corner yep. because they just keep following what the popular opinion is. And I don't know if that's like, cause a lot of it comes from like the universities. I know like a lot of my friends that went to universities and I don't know if it's because they always followed the, the rules and were obedient to authority and separated church from state. And they're always applauded and patted on the back for following orders from, you know, establishment government authority. Do you want me to comment on that? Anyone, yeah. <laughs> I was looking at Nick. I didn't know if it was Mike Clever. I thought he was smoking. <laughs> no. Yeah, well, the, the universities are the one of the ultimate enemies, I would say. Uh, public schooling didn't help either, although I went to it, and I suspect at least a couple of you guys might have. But, yeah, the, the universities rot their brain now. There's a, there's a silver lining in that, in that I hope – the product coming from the universities is so poor over the next decade that coming out of a university makes you worse off. Well, we know it makes you worse off, but I hope it becomes mm -hmm. kind of common thought that, ah, uh, they, that girl's got a degree. Nah, I, I can't hire her. I hope that I was kind of, I, I, I was hoping to, I, I will say, so I graduated high school in 2009 and at that time, everyone was like, you got to go to college. And I started out in trade school before I went back and got a bachelor's later. And you wouldn't believe the amount of people that were like, well, you got good grades in school. Although I did serve a lot of detentions in Saturday schools, but that's a different story. Um, I, they're like, why would you go to trade school? Like you're selling yourself short. And I was like, well, like, it seems like a pretty good career, like two years of this and I can you know, make a good wage and get some skills. And now you fast forward a little over a decade and I'm really surprised at the amount of like, you know, my, my cousins have kids that are coming out of high school and they're like, I think I want to go to trade school. Mm -hmm. And like, that's refreshing though. Yeah, I, I think people are starting to see like, 
you're not getting anywhere with like a freaking you're gonna you know you're gonna be making coffees at starbucks with most mm-hmm. liberal arts degrees yeah they're, they're uh, worthless tyler and i actually met at that trade school we we're uh aviation mechanics and the odd thing was i think there was maybe six you know maybe what 10 18 year olds in our class like the most of older people that are doing career changes out of 30 mm-hmm. and i think five of these 18 year olds including tyler and myself and like two or three of our buddies from school we're all libertarians. It was a wild statistic. Wow. Like we, yeah. we all of our university, we, we were all libertarians. And it was just it kind of, and we weren't even like developed yet. Tyler was a little more left. I was a little more neocon, but we all became like staunch libertarians within like three years of that. So it was an interesting phenomenon. Wow. That, yeah, that's rare. It, it's funny you say that a lot of them already had been to college is that we said and they're, they're doing career changes uh some did some were like uh some workers. were laid off from the automotive industry because that was right during the downturn okay and there was a it was a there was a manufacturing plant not far from the trade school so they they took the the severance package and buyouts and they just were like screw this i'm never doing automotive again yeah okay okay mm-hmm so yeah, it was it was interesting though because at that time our conversations were usually more like conservative, like in the break room and stuff, which like w- is totally foreign to my friends that went to four year schools. Like you didn't, you know, I, I had a I had a girlfriend that went to college like three hours away for a bit, and I'd go there and I was like, what the hell is going on here? It's a different world, isn't it? Yeah. I was like, we don't talk about any of this stuff in trade school. <laughs> they think Biden's a hardcore right winger, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, really what he's, I mean, he's trying to be FDR 2.0 as far as I'm concerned. All his talking points are the same just for the modern era. You know, yeah. like because FDR threatened, I think it was in 37 to stack the courts. And that's how he <laughs> consolidated more power. What right. do you think Biden's doing right now? Same yeah. thing. Yeah. The left is brilliant at it. They they understand the mechanisms of power far better than the right yes. because their their ideology is based on collectivism yes. and, and organized masses. I mean, you look at like the get out and vote campaigns. Yep. Every single one of those is get out and vote left. Correct. Mm-hmm. They Republicans, they are they already know. They don't need to do it. They don't need to organize. They just it's like the silent nod. Yep. You know, and same with most libertarians, if if they choose to vote. I know a large sector of libertarians, they're like, we're not doing this crap. But, it, you know, like the left is extremely good at consolidating power. And they are. I don't I don't know. Have you so like I, I, I read some of like Lenin and Marx, like some of their stuff, because, you know, I, I figure it's good to know your enemy. It is. And those guys are tremendous at how well they understood how to manipulate the and put the wheels in motion i mean it it's there's something that people on the right could learn from that though there's a lot that they could learn yes i it, it, at least people on the right should read curtis yarvin that that helps at some level uh, understand the the dynamics of political power and because a lot of people on the right uh, you, you kind of just have this, look, I want to be left alone. I want my family, my faith, my traditions, just leave me alone. But the left has this wonderful brilliance where they say, I don't want to be left alone. I don't want to leave you alone. I want power. And when you run every institution in the country now, including the military and the police, uh, what, what, who's fighting back? There's no one to fight you. So, of course, you win every battle. Donald Trump represented kind of like a stick in the stream to disrupt some stuff. And look how bad they panicked over it. They always have this this thing about that they're the victims, but they've won everything. It's the strange thing, but it's almost like a brilliant tactic, it seems. It works. It does. And it's it's an easy sell. So I I know Mike and I have – have talked about this before over a few beers. We, we basically were like victimhood is so easy to sell where it's like, no, like you work hard, you be self-sufficient and you'll succeed. Like that's a hard sell to a lot of people, especially with all the modern day comforts. They're like, wait, you know, like, like the stimulus checks and like the unemployment insurance, 
people are like, well, I can make 600 bucks and watch Netflix and order DoorDash. Yep. Or I can go back to my job and no one's going to go out to eat because they're all scared of COVID. And maybe sure. get sick. Yeah. So yeah. that little threat hanging over. That's, that was the thing. I, another thing that I was red-pilled on, I, I, I naively was like, why are some of my friends fighting this going back to work? Like, you got to do something. And it's like, oh, no, because they're making such little money that maybe the unemployment's pretty close to it. If not, you know, it's not the whole uh, amount they were making. But when you subtract the fact that they don't have to get up early and go do this and go do that and be out in public, well, yeah, it's pretty nice. And especially if they're in an apartment and rent's canceled. So yeah. they're not paying you rent. can't get evicted. They're getting free money. They have Netflix, which is cheap. And it's pretty easy then to say, stay at home, assholes. You know, yeah. they can start preaching from their Facebook and yeah. feeling kind of heroic about it. It's yeah. crazy. They're, they're the same... I mean, there there's a mouse trap walking in for the free cheese. I mean, they go into the trap. They're they're not thinking for themselves that there's yep. no such thing as a free lunch. Like this, is right? Just, no, no, no. This. Right. They're, they would make fun of you for saying that statement, or what are you going to tell me to pull my bootstraps up, Nazi? That you know, I, I've seen that kind of stuff yeah. all over yep. the place. Well, COVID. that's why. Do you guys think like what we need to do as far as strategy? I mean, there's. I think Pete was talking about it recently, where it's like we need to embrace every different strategy we can. And I think a big one is just making our voices as loud and clear as possible and making predictions and saying, you know, when the shit hits the fan from the 15, you know, and counting trillion dollars we've printed over the last year, when all the unemployment benefits run out and, you know, business, businesses start crashing, when all this stuff happens, we need to be in a position to say, I told you so, like I was predicting this and it came true. So that has to have some sway with people. Like if, if uh, something hits, like when the financial crisis hit in 2008 and you had guys like uh, Peter Schiff and what's his name? Um, the guy who wrote the Black Swan, uh, Nick. What's the guy I'm thinking of? I don't I don't know him. Damn it. It's going to hit me like in a minute. But anyway, there were a handful of people that predicted the housing crash. Mm -hmm. And after that happened, they were made famous because it's like, OK, this guy actually saw this coming when on CNBC, everybody says there's no way we could have seen this coming. And I think that's what we need to do. Just be loud and clear. Like, hey, we're printing all this money. We're, we're going to destroy businesses and incentives for work. And when it happens, we're going to have the answers as to why it happened. Tom Woods for president. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be made royally famous. <laughs> He's been great on every issue. He was great on the housing, the crash, the bubbles, all of that. He's been great yeah. on lockdowns, the masks. Yep. Like he somehow positions himself brilliantly. And he's always right. And and so, yeah, I mean, just this COVID year alone, I believe he's it was saying on his show that he's got a ton of new listeners because people see these presentations and they're like, it's nice to know that there is a segment of the population that can see a Tom Woods presentation and flock to his side. And he's been able to get people like Vince Vaughn and Rob Schneider to follow him and come on his show. Yes. Which is just, I mean, getting A-list celebrities into this yeah. world is pretty, uh, never thought I'd see that. Like, I thought Hollywood was fully written off. Well, I mean, so, they're never going to star in a movie again, but. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're, yeah, they're on the blacklist now. They're rich already, so. Yeah. But, I, you know, I knew Tom Woods was hitting all the all the right buttons when YouTube started pulling his videos down. Yeah. That's that's when I knew that he was he was firing on all cylinders because oh. they've. It's been they haven't even been shy about it. If you question anything about the current narrative, they pull your stuff. You're gone. I, I don't even I don't even give a conspiracy theory the time of day unless it's been banned from YouTube. If it's been banned from YouTube, I'm like, all right, I'm interested. Let me hear it now. But if it's still on YouTube, you know, it's like, oh, that's harmless. Yeah, I was saying the same thing to a friend about Netflix, because for some reason, Amazon Prime actually does have some pretty good documentaries on there. Yeah, but and, and so I can kind of go. Ah, oh, let's. This looks interesting. But if it's on Netflix, I just kind of write it off, knowing yep. Netflix will not put on something that's not filtered through their leftist worldview. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. I was surprised that the uh, the monopoly on on violence that Pete and his team worked on. Yes, it's, it's still still on there, still going strong. So. Yep. And there's there might be some might be some hope for the Amazon Prime. There is. There's some uh, interesting things against the CIA on Amazon Prime. There's there's 
there's people that I know personally that have been steep in the conspiracy world that are featured in some of the documentaries. And uh, I was shocked when I discovered all of this. And they're again, they're still up there. So. Yeah, which is That's, interesting because I, I don't. I feel like I can't get a beat on Amazon. Like you know, Bezos buys the Washington Post, and then they they move in lockstep with like the Stop Asian Hate and all like the Black Voices movies they put out there. Where it's like, yes, like come on, you're just bending the. Like, I'm tired of being called racist every time I turn on your product that I'm paying you for. Like you're yeah. just asserting that I I like I'm part like I'm. Um, you know, part of this movement or something like we're here to stop Asian hate as if I'm the one that's responsible for it. It's like, I don't get why you got to put that on my screen every time I come, come on here, but then they do leave Pete's documentary on there. So I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, are they just bending the knee? So the left leaves them alone. But, yeah, probably, probably. Yeah. He's a smart businessman. He knows that yeah. if he puts that, these silly statements on his screen or, Hey, look, we have a whole section of, of a BLM theme things then they kind of go, all right, they're good. You know, it, and they, you know, it's like the, the businesses in the riot zones that have like black lives matter things. And then their windows are shattered. It didn't work. Yeah. But I think at least working for Amazon. Right. And one, one of my lefty buddies, I remember called me when uh, Amazon announced their $15 an hour minimum wage a couple years ago. And he's like, Oh, did you hear Bezos cave to Bernie? Cause when Bernie was like campaigning for president, I was like, you, I mean, do you mean that Bezos just like ensured that his business is going to put out everyone else in the industry who can't afford these gains? Yep. <laughs> like, so you just like, if he came to Bernie, Bernie just made this giant billionaire way wealthier because you just eliminated yep. a bunch of his competition that cannot adjust to this new, yeah. this new model. And he actually didn't have much to say to that. He's kind of like, Oh shit. I never thought about that. That's because you've read Rothbard and he hasn't, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, it, it, Bezos knows what he's doing. So he knows that since there's a Democrat in office, he's got to play the woke game. He's got to kind of play toe the line. And right now, like as we said earlier, they, they have the power. Yes. So if you want to starve out the rest of your competition, you got to be more woke. You got to be more, you got to cater to the mob better than the competition. It's, and, and, you know, with the current economic system, it's, it's a quasi fascist system anyways, with the way the corporations are welded together with the government. So, I mean, you can't find one industry that's not collecting some sort of government cheese. It's almost impossible. Yeah. Especially the ones that were allowed to be open in in states like California and New York and whatnot. All of those big businesses, there's you know, there's money changing hands between government and in big business, which is what I thought the left was supposed to hate at one point with Occupy Wall Street. But right, they gave that one up. No, and that's uh, I know Dave Smith's given you know pointed that out before that like they they don't care about being hypocrites. They'll no. own it, and that's that's their strength. Fuck yeah, they do. I'm sorry if we can't curse. Oh yeah, you can curse. No, can, no, you can. They, away. they do not care. They relish in it. Why? Why? If you don't have principles, you don't. You can't be a hypocrite. So who cares? It, but right. if you can gain power, then more the more the better. You know, if shit, if if some libertarian was in charge, if Ron Paul was younger and in charge, and he was just gaining all of this power to make the country more libertarian, but he had to break the nap, I'd be like, fuck, go ahead, do it. If the end game yeah. is to be libertarian country, fine. So yeah, the left doesn't care. They they could care less about contradicting themselves or anything like that. They just want power, and it's worked. Go figure. So that what you saying that brings up an interesting question. So I've, I've heard some people kind of propose like a diagonal unity to basically like utilize the people, you know, in you've seen like the political compass, right. You know, and kind of organize some of the people, the more hard left, not, I mean, obviously not the, the social justice type progressives, because you're not going to win with those. They're like neoliberals, but like people that look at like maybe more like hardcore socialism and stuff, mm-hmm. like aligning, like people in the libertarian circles aligning with them to achieve goals. What do you what do you think about that? Is that is that possible, or is it two opposing ideas that just can't mesh together? And I guess the reason I ask is because. A lot of things proposed by Lenin were in line with what, like, you know, libertarian ANCAP type people would want. The right. difference is in the last step where they, how you implement it. Right. But getting to that step is the exact same. I think it's so that's, it's slightly 
worthy. I mean, I live in Texas, so it's a little bit different of an environment here. I, and I, much less I'm in a small town. So for me personally, I, I feel it would be more productive to say, go to the local Republican party uh, meeting and try to speak out against masks and lockdowns. We don't have them anymore, but vaccine passports. I do. I, I have a one or two hard left friends that are basically like the kind you're describing. And they do actually have common ground with me and they're anti-war. Um, that's a big one. Uh, they're in, they question the federal reserve and things like that. They don't like Hillary Clinton. They don't like Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. So there are, the, I'll put it this way. We can have good conversations certainly. And I think, uh, maybe even easier, maybe, uh, rather than people like me and where I'm at, I would say reasonites, reason libertarians, some of them mm -hmm. could probably relate with people like Tulsi Gabbard and uh, Jimmy Dore mm -hmm. and people like that. I definitely think those alliances are helpful. And so I think when people like Dave Smith go on Jimmy Dore's show, I think that's very helpful because he's a very good messenger and he knows how to he kind of came from the left a little bit. So he knows how to speak that language a little bit better. I think Thaddeus Russell is brilliant at speaking yes. that language because he was a socialist and he went to one of the furthest left colleges in the entire country in Antioch. And so uh, people like those guys, really Thad is extremely good at it. He speaks the language of the universities. He speaks the language of of socialism, but he's not that. So mm -hmm. I do see alliances in, in that, in that manner. And he, and he's atheist. So that helps a bit. Um, personally me, I, I'm not as good with that stuff because I kind of consider myself a right winger. And so we, we tend to differ on a lot of things, but I can at least have a conversation with them. And so, yes, I think within our circles, there are uh, voices that would be good at um, reaching out to people from that far left segment and, and trying to pull them at least to hate lockdowns, to hate uh, fascism, mm -hmm. which is what you were saying. And that, that's what this vaccine passport thing is essentially fascism. So absolutely stand up against things like that. Yeah, you know, actually on that topic of diagonal unity, uh, at the gym I train at, I have a friend who is, I, he might even consider himself a communist. I think he actually does. Um, and I mean old school. He's not super SJW or anything like that. He's as far left as you can be. And, you know, through this whole thing, it's like, okay, last March, the shutdown happens in March. And then by April, May, I think gyms didn't legally reopen until June. And when they did, it was with social distancing and masks and everything. And we're talking about an MMA gym where we have jujitsu and boxing and Muay Thai. So there's no, there is no distancing, right? You're not going to grapple with a mask on it's nonsense, but <laughs> thankfully legislators are completely ignorant and they just went through the cracks. Like there was nothing said about it. So, I mean, we'd been training since like April, but, uh, back to that point though, there were a lot of people that were afraid to come back right away and membership definitely suffered because of that, like in May, June, July. And it was typically the libertarian slash right-leaning people that were the first to come back and they weren't afraid to come in contact with people. But there was my one communist slash socialist friend who was actually born in Russia. He was back wow. like right away. He was, he was like, yeah, yeah, no, he was, you know, training full contact didn't really bring up the politics a lot, but I mean, he owns a couple AK 47s. So that's a, a, you know, hardcore left winger that like you said, Tyler has that diagonal unity where they, at least they think the entire thing, like they take a, an alien view of the political compass and all of the things going on in the world right now. And when you have two people that take like an above like 30,000 foot view at everything going on, that's when you can find that common ground. Yes. And, and to your point as well, one of the friends I have that I would consider in that same uh, corner, will say, I have said a few things where a lot of stuff in agreement. We talk about war, we talk about, you know, deep state or whatever. And I've made a few comments where she says something kind of generically left about, I can't even think of it off the top of my head and I'll interject something and she'll go, okay, I never thought of, thought of it like that. So maybe 
they can they can, their minds can be changed slowly but surely. So there's that hope as well. I think it's it's about delivery too. Like yeah, I, of course. I, yeah. I don't what I see a lot, I, I spend probably more time than I should on Twitter. And <laughs> you got like certain groups of libertarians that like their their answer to everything is well, if you just read Rothbard, you'd understand right. economics, but right. that doesn't win anyone over. No. Like right. dunking, dunking on people because you read more books than them. Yep. Bad it crap. doesn't, it's not going to work. Yeah. We, we talked about that before Tyler and I about like how you, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. So if you're going to like a party with some of your buddies who you don't talk politics with ever, like if their wife's a teacher, you don't want to open up with, I want the Department of Education abolished. Correct. It's like, not going to get you anywhere. They're like, I never want the guy to come back to my house. He's crazy. Like they're, right. they don't, they're not going to understand where you're coming from from a you know a ideological standpoint. Yes, and Tyler, to your earlier point, if you're communicating with some communist or far 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 left, it helps if you've read their material, because mm-hmm. most of the time I think you know not to be above them or whatnot, but they probably haven't read our material a lot of it. And so it does help if you can read their stuff and you know it. And so then you don't have to pull out the, well, you should read Rothbard or anything like that because they're, they're, not, they're probably not going to. And certainly if it's your normie friends where you've, you're speaking to a teacher, they're certainly not going to. So bragging that you've read a lot by dropping names that they don't know, that's not going to do any good. Uh, I would, right. a, a lot of people would rather be approached, uh, quite honestly, with – a more emotional approach than an academic intellectual approach. Mm-hmm. The well, Roth emotion, work. The Rothbard discussions are for us. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like nerdy like beer group or something at a bar. Not for the normie person that's just gonna fly right over their head. It would be like uh, a, a female discussing the real housewives with me. It's just it just wouldn't compute in any way whatsoever. Yeah, yeah you said something on Pete's uh, podcast that really resonated with me because I also live in a small town like you do, only in a way more communistic state. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've been going through it a lot too because I have an eight year old in school, and it's just the indoctrination is just getting so overwhelming. Um, you can't go to the library without just like propaganda books in the children's section everywhere about you know civil injustice and uh, climate change and gay weddings, like. Just slammed in their face. And it's I, I've tried to email them and same way as you did with your mayor, like very respectful, mm-hmm. um, no cussing. I'm not trying to be like that crazy, like get this liberal shit away from my kids. Like I, I don't want to come <laughs> off like that. I want I want to come off more like Tom Woods, you know. Yeah. So I, I write out some really well thought out stuff. And for the library in particular, I wrote them an email saying, like, I don't think this is right that my tax dollars should be weaponized against my children to undermine the beliefs they're being taught at home. Can we just please keep politics out of the children away from the children there's no need for that mm-hmm. and the week before the election was when i first went in there and saw these books there was a book there was a children's book that was called rooted in justice the kamala harris story oh. a, so i said like you should not be taking a political stance you have you have no right to be doing this like you're completely funded by us i'm in a red red county we're out in rural illinois and they wrote me back and they said i'm they <laughs> they're sorry i feel this way but they have no political agenda Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like next week's the election. You have Kamala Harris's propaganda book. <laughs> yeah, I would have approached that. The I like the Scott Horton sometimes attack the left from the left. I would have taken a stance of listing some of the stuff that Tulsi nailed Kamala with in that debate. I was something yeah. interesting, a book on a lady that's locked up such and such and, and kind of lists some of her sin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I would have uh, thought I. I think it'd be interesting to see the response to that. Yeah, no, and I've and then like we've been trying to like kind of locate it on our community, like talk to our local superintendent for the school because Illinois just passed like this woke bill that basically mm-hmm. is forcing all this woke shit into the classroom. And I even called the principal, and he's like, "Yeah," he's like, "Well, you know, from, from what I understand, like I have no say in this. This is at the, this is at the state level, and uh, you know, it's not going to be in the children. It'll, it'll be in the the teachers' classes in college." I'm like. Oh, so you're just indoctrinating the people that are indoctrinating my kids. Right. As if that makes it better. But I've had very little success. I've been trying to do the, the same type thing you did. But mm-hmm. I, the one thing where I, that I thought kind of funny was you said your public schools aren't really revered highly in your town. Apparently, I don't have kids. We're trying. I want one. But <laughs> apparently, they're terrible here. Well, and see, our, that's what ours, keeps these white progressives that are kind of rich in Austin. Mm-hmm 
with the this house has believes in science and all this shit. That's what keeps them from moving here. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I like that strategy. I got yeah, the opposite problem though, because like we have a super highly revered school system, and by good I mean highly funded. Um, they no. we we have a nuclear plant in town, so they get so much tax money from the from the nuke plant that we have like the latest and greatest like fire trucks and and schools mm -hmm. and like everyone flocks here for jobs because it's just so well funded. So that gets regarded as good schools, which means they get a lot of money. But they get a lot of money for woke books. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's kind of you know when you said that to me that on, on Pete's podcast that really resonated. I was like, oh shit, I'm in a small town, but we have good schools. That's the that's why I'm fighting this battle. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and apparently, like I said on the show, a friend of mine here, he's homeschooled his kids since day one, basically, and he said it's the best homeschool group I've ever been uh, a part of in any town. Is here the Lockhart one, and this dude's pretty conservative. So for him to say that means there's not a lot of craziness, we'll say drag queen books or whatnot. <laughs> right. So that part, it's like school systems bad, keeps out the rich white liberals. Uh, homeschool group is good. All right. I like it here. Yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's, you know, I'm going to be house shopping in a few years. I'm going to keep that in mind. I'm going to go like, you know, how like realtor.com shows like the ratings of the school districts. I'm going to the one that's a two out of 10. Yeah, yes. just go to low crime but low rated schools. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's here. That's exactly what this is. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I like that. That's a good strategy. That's something that's thinking outside of the box. It is. It's something I never thought about until I lived it. And it's like, oh, that's why no one comes here. Okay, cool. Yeah. I like that. Cool. Well, that brings us to about the one hour mark. So unless there's anything else you guys want to close on, it's up to you guys. If not, Buck, you're welcome to plug any of your socials or podcasts or anywhere anyone else can find you nick tyler you guys got anything before i plug no no plug away um, yeah, plug away so the website's been all changed up and i my guy got a the new web address all set up so it's counterflowpodcast.com um, i've got this telegram group now that's kind of fun and thriving at the telegram app counterflow with buck johnson is the room so search and you'll find it um, Twitter is at Buck Rebel, B-U-C-K-R-E-B-E-L. And uh, that's about all the plugging I can do right now. Oh, if, for anyone listening in around the Oregon area, I'm speaking at the Oregon State Libertarian Party Convention May 15th. So maybe I'll see some of you guys there with Thaddeus Russell as well. Awesome. That's really cool. Awesome. Well, Buck, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. It's been fun. All right. Talk to you later.